Welcome to the Ortho Eval Pal podcast, where we can help you build confidence with your orthopedic evaluation and management skills. We hope you enjoy the show. And now, for your host, Paul Marquis. Hello and welcome to episode 294 of the Ortho Eval Pal podcast. I'm Paul Marquis, PT. Today we're going to be talking about diagnostic imaging and when to request it. We'll be going over the challenges of requesting diagnostic imaging. We'll talk about showing justification for that imaging. We'll talk about requesting the appropriate diagnostic imaging for certain diagnoses for certain patients. And we're going to talk about team communication and so much more. But if you don't mind holding for a moment, we're going to hear a word from our sponsors. You've all seen the name Chattanooga in rehab clinics. Chattanooga has been a staple for all your traditional clinical equipment needs, and they are now carrying modalities including high-powered laser, focus shockwave, and radial pressure wave devices. These modalities have the ability to transform your practice from both a clinical and revenue standpoint. Trust me, I have patients traveling over an hour to come have radial pressure wave treatment in our clinic. Click the link in the show notes to request a quote, schedule an in-person demo, or get more information on their new modalities. You can also visit their website at www.lightforcemedical.com. Oh my, you can thank my daughter for this juicy episode today. Um, She's just about ready to start practicing as a full-fledged physical therapist, a DPT in another week or so, and I asked her, I said, so is there anything you want to review before you start? get started, you know, in the clinic. Um, She's going to be working for us, but in a different clinic. And she says, oh, yes. She says, I have a lot of questions, but one of them is that I want to know more about when and what type of imaging I should ask for uh, when I see a patient who I think needs diagnostic imaging. Uh, And so we had a really nice long discussion about how to go about doing this. And there are really so many ways to answer this, and it could be such a long topic, but I thought what we would do today is um, we would just talk a little bit about how do we request that imaging and and when is it appropriate to do so. Um, So in the U.S., you know, only certain providers uh, can put in a physical request for diagnostic imaging in order to receive reimbursement by insurances like MDs, PAs, NPs, DOs, Um, but PTs and OTs, cannot do that. Um, And I'm not going to get into the argument of why PTs and OTs should be able to order diagnostic imaging, especially for musculoskeletal disorders. That's really an episode and or rant of its own. Uh, And uh, I think we will probably have that at some point. Uh, And we can really break this topic up into many episodes, but um, we'll we'll go over this. And you folks can always send me your questions too. If I if I don't answer your question in an episode, um, send me those questions, and we will talk about it in another episode. Um, you know, I'm not a provider who can refer for diagnostic imaging, but I am one who can request it. All right. And that is very important. We can request it and we can ask for them, but we don't want to be asking for imaging just because we just can't figure out the diagnosis or we just haven't had the time to, to spend with the patient. Um, and we can't just order images just because, okay, just, you know, oh, we have a patient with a shoulder injury. We assume they've got a rotator cuff tear. Uh, let's order an MRI. Uh, And so we need to be much more specific than that when we are considering ordering diagnostic imaging. So I thought today we'd talk a bit about when to request imaging and how to go about doing that. so we're all fairly familiar with the fact that insurance companies are pretty much controlling most aspects of healthcare in the U.S. And it's extremely frustrating 
Unfortunately, uh, it appears that insurance companies follow some sort of algorithm to determine if a patient is a candidate for imaging or not. Uh, And I get it. Okay, I, I really do. I mean, there are a lot of people out there needing imaging. There's a lot requesting it. And it's just, you know, insurance companies have to sort this all out because it is quite costly, especially in the United States. Um, And so I I understand that. And yes, there are a lot of patients who receive diagnostic imaging and oftentimes for nothing. And I have seen this on many occasions. Um, And so, you know, if they don't have a clinical indication for it, then we should be a little more thoughtful about how do we more effectively evaluate them and to make those decisions. So, but not all patients fall into a particular algorithm. And, you know, if we have a patient, for example, um, who has no active shoulder flexion secondary to a C5 nerve root compression, um, we can't always just wait around for six to eight weeks to try physical therapy or occupational therapy, or maybe there's a long waiting list to get into an MRI. Um, these folks could end up with permanent nerve damage, and we, we saw this recently with uh, my employer who, who ended up with a massive C5 nerve root compression, had zero active shoulder flexion abduction, lost significant bicep strength, um, and really was in a disabling situation. Uh, and we were able to, uh, by justifying the need for it, uh, get a quick MRI. He had uh, surgery really quickly and um, is doing significantly better now and has full strength back in his arm. And uh, I've seen people who uh, this gets missed and uh, and because of this big lag, because of these requirements to have imaging, um, end up with some permanent uh, dysfunction. Uh, and it can be quite uh, disabling and uh, really change your quality of life. You know, we've also seen uh, quad ruptures that, that go uh, missed. And sometimes we miss this optimal window uh, for a repair. So we need to be advocates for our patients uh, to help uh get these tests and get them when we need to. But sometimes that requires a little bit of uh, extra work on our on our side. So um, let's talk a little bit about showing justification for imaging. So first of all, you need to do a very, very thorough evaluation of the patient. So are there findings during that evaluation that you feel are surgical and or could be permanent, permanently disabling, okay? Especially in the orthopedic world, you know, do you see somebody who has maybe a major nerve injury or um, maybe some sort of a muscular tendinous uh, rupture, maybe a bucket handle tear where they're causing more damage to the knee joint and the knee is locked up and they just simply can't function. We just can't push through that sometimes and they, they require uh, expeditious, um, you know, surgery. And so if you uh, can hone in your evaluation skills to get that diagnosis or close to a diagnosis, then that's going to be very helpful. So I'll give you an example. Um, if somebody comes in and they have a positive empty can test, maybe they have three over five external rotation strength, their shoulder hiking when they try to elevate the arm either into flexion or abduction, and uh, maybe they had a mechanism of injury where they're on a ladder, the ladder kind of kicked out from under them and they you know grabbed onto a gutter and they were kind of suspended there. Well, you're suspicious they have a cuff tear. All of these findings, these physical findings and mechanism of injury drive you in the direction of a you know, a a diagnosis. And that diagnosis is a rotator cuff tear. And um, now you might be able to treat these folks. And if you feel like you can safely treat the patient and they're seeing some improvement, uh, you may not need imaging right away. Like I've had patients recently with major 
mechanisms of injury and severe pain coming into the clinic. And we've started some therapy and each visit, uh, they got better and better and better. Uh, and um, so we continue to treat them. Um, and then if there is, you know, as you get to treating that patient, you can localize that diagnosis a little bit better. Sometimes that may change the trajectory of what type of imaging you'll have, um, you know, with them. So, uh, if you can localize that, that's great. Um, so treat them conservatively if you can. But if you feel like, you know what, I'm doing some conservative stuff. This patient is taking some medication. They are not getting any better or they're regressing. Um, then, you know, that can drive you in the direction of uh, requesting some diagnostic imaging. So what if they don't get better in a reasonable amount of time? Consider, you know, that recommendation. Um you know, let's take, for example, a 75-year-old man with bowed knees and, and loss of flexion, loss of extension. Maybe the uh, patella is a little enlarged and uh, there's some medial joint line tenderness on both sides, but no real mechanism of injury. This just kind of came on on its own and it was a slow progression. Does this person need an MRI of their knee? No, of course not. They have a classic presentation of arthritis in the knees, and uh, you might just start off with an x-ray and uh, go from there. Uh, now, let's say that you have evaluated this patient. You set in your mind that, yes, they need some diagnostic imaging. Well, how do you go about asking for that, especially if you're a, you know, a PT or an OT or uh, somebody who just cannot put in that referral, uh, and you need to connect with a, a PCP, maybe it's with an orthopedic surgeon, how do you, how do you go about requesting that MRI without stepping on toes, um, and, and being as efficient as possible and not wasting anybody's time, because there's nothing worse than um, spending a lot of time on the phone with an orthopedic surgeon, and humming and hawing and, and beating around the bush asking for something and then they just finally say yeah we're just going to order this and come to find out that that diagnostic test which was you know very expensive and time consuming uh, comes out to be negative um well the way i go about doing this is that if if i suspect something is going on i will make bullet points i will literally write down bullet points that drive my conversation with that provider who can request these tests or who can actually put in the referral for the test, um, I, I put these bullet points down and I will go over them. And so I'm not taking up a lot of time. I'm asking that person, I'm telling that person, I have a concern about this patient and this is why. You know, this patient uh, can do a quad set, but the patella is not moving. They cannot do a straight leg raise and uh, the knee is staying at 90 degrees. They cannot do a long arc quad. There is an, ex an extreme divot in the distal quadricep. Um, all indications of a quad rupture, okay? Or I, so I paint this picture that is very clear, very concise, and then there's really no question at that point that, you know, the insurance company should not question that. Uh, that is not something you want to treat conservatively. And the provider who is going to be that middle person to put in the referral should say, yeah, this is clearly, you know, something we need to take care of quickly. Um, so it can be anything from an EMG to uh, an MRI to an x-ray, a CAT scan, whatever it might be. But, you know, give this, give them a reason for why this should be done. Um, if you evaluate that patient, you're like, gosh, I don't know exactly which test would be most effective. Um, 
Work as a team. You know, talk to one of your coworkers who may have a lot of experience evaluating a certain diagnosis and may have some experience with requesting certain types of tests that are more effective. Um, you know, consult with somebody who has a lot of experience. Uh, consult with a specialist. I often call a radiologist that I know about which test might be most appropriate for certain clinical findings. And I've learned so much by talking to this radiologist um, just about, you know, what what we should do and, and should it be a step-by-step process if you order an x-ray for somebody who has um, lumbar spinal stenosis it is best to get standing x-rays um, with a lateral view while they are flexing and extending it shows instability it paints a much better picture than just laying on a table and getting standard x-rays um, you know and that that x-ray uh, can drive if you should have an MRI or not um, and if there should be electrodiagnostic testing later on down the road uh, maybe, you know, getting an MRI of a shoulder. If you're suspicious of a labral tear, uh, maybe having that with a, an arthrogram uh, and, and having a dye put in that shoulder before having that MRI can be much more effective in identifying the labral tear. So, you know, having these conversations with people who understand this and know this can really help make your request for that special test or diagnostic test better. Now, this is probably the most important thing I'm going to talk about today. And it's not really just about requesting the test, but it's about making you more confident in requesting the test. So let's say somebody does have an MRI of their shoulder and you did a full shoulder evaluation. You suspect that they have a labral tear, let's say. Compare the results of the test with your clinical exam and your clinical findings. Now, if you were on target, Let's say you suspected a labral tear. The MRI results come back and it says, yeah, this patient has a labral tear. There's no rotator cuff tear. There's no degenerative arthritis. The AC joint is looking fine. The biceps uh, tendon is looking good. But there's an isolated uh, labral tear. Great. This is on target. Um, and you know that your clinical exam skills are, are getting better and that um, you, know, you can start to say that when I find this in the clinic, it's likely we'll find this on a diagnostic test. Now, if you are not on target, let's say you missed it completely, then take that exam, that, that, that diagnostic test, go back to your clinical exam and review that and say, did I miss something here? Did I not test something? Maybe I missed a special test. Maybe I didn't test um, manual muscle testing well enough or do selective tissue tension testing. Maybe you're going to see that patient again, retest them and see if you can find something that is consistent with that diagnostic test to refine it a little bit. Now, take that one step further. Let's say that um, the patient goes on to having surgery. You did a clinical exam, they had a diagnostic test, and they went on for surgery. Find out what those intraoperative findings were. Did they match up with the diagnostic test that you requested, and did they match up with your clinical exam? Now, if all three of those line up, then you really know you're getting better at honing in your evaluation skills, and your request for diagnostic imaging will be so much more meaningful and effective. So if you do that over and over and over again, um, the providers that you request these tests from are going to be more likely to listen to you and uh, and say, okay, yeah, I mean, you, you nailed the fact that this patient had this problem the last time. The last several tests we ordered were exactly what the clinical findings were. We're going to order this again because we know that there's some consistency here. Uh, and uh, it takes a long time. This doesn't happen as a new grad therapist doesn't happen 
as a five, sometimes 10, sometimes 20 year old therapist. Okay. Um, I've been at this for 30 years and, and I still miss stuff, but my consistency is definitely getting better. Um, my, my targeting of diagnoses is getting much better so I can make a request for a test and it really falls into the realm of what I evaluated. And so that is getting better. And so I feel much more confident in, in making these requests. Uh, so that takes a lot of time, takes a lot of practice. Um, and it takes some, some really good help from uh, mentors and people who have, have done this before. So as a review for today's podcast, um, I just want to make sure that you find a good reason for requesting imaging by doing your thorough exam. Okay, take your time, make it, you know, your exam, um, do it clinically, do it step by step and, uh, and, and rule some stuff out, then you can rule some things in. Now, number two, know which clinical test makes most sense for your clinical evaluation and your clinical findings, okay? Certain tests are better for certain diagnoses. Number three, consult with other professionals if you're not confident about which test to request. And number four, use the results as a diagnostic tool and a learning opportunity. So, if you have questions about certain specific diagnostic tests, please feel free to email me. I'll get the answers for you. I hope that you enjoyed today's show. Be kind to each other and take care. We hope you've enjoyed the show. For some more awesome content, go to orthoevalpal.com. Can't wait to see you there. 